Welcome to episode 337 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason. What's up, man? How much? How's it going? Oh, living the dream, living in the mountains. You ready? You ready to get into this? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's let's do it. Well, listen, d- dude, dude, you left us with such a cliffhanger last time. Like we're all we're all going. Okay, what what is this all about? What is this? Uh, all eight of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So what I, what I was starting to tell you about was the accelerated uh, computer science program we created at uh, the local high school. So Math Academy starts in sixth grade. Um, For those who aren't in the U.S., that's like uh, 11, 12 years old age range. Um, And it's at three of our middle schools. Um, And then when the students get to about 14, 15, and they go to the high school, ninth grade, uh, they all go to one high school if they want to continue in the Math Academy program. And it's uh, Pasadena High School is the one they go to. There are four high schools in the area, but uh, Pasadena High School is the one where our program is. And um, there's an existing computer science, four-year computer science program there called um, App Academy. Um, The thing is, though, is it's not really calibrated for Math Academy level students. Um, It's fun. The kids enjoy it, but it, it, it moves at a pretty casual pace um and kids who either a learn really quickly or have had some programming experience spend a lot of their time being kind of you know bored and frustrated um so i after seeing that for basically two years um i started well actually i started i didn't wait it two years but i i had been talking to a friend of mine who is the one who um basically funds the whole program um you know, and I had gone to him at you know a couple of times at lunch. We we would grab lunch every you know two or three months, and I was like, hey, listen, you know, I think we I think the kids need more. I think more could be done um, for for math academy type students. And eventually, he's like, you know what, Jason, I have a great idea. I think you should run App Academy. <laughs> and I'm like, that is a horrible horrible idea. <laughs> I was like. That's not what should happen. I was like, can I just complain <laughs> like everybody else, you know, and then something magically changes? Do I have to be the one that does it? Of uh, course. Anyway. Oh, geez. Technology error. Just drop the whole thing. Of course you have Yikes. to change it. Like that's, that's just, that's you, who you are. Well, you know, I have limited bandwidth, right? I mean, I'm already running the math Academy program and yeah, you know, mama, everything else I got going on. So, um, basically what we worked out is that, um, I would provide sort of strategic guidance on the uh, curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I would work with the instructors and talk about what we were trying to achieve and trying to make sure that the, the, that what they were teaching was, was the, was the right type of stuff and, and all that. Um, because the Pasadena Education Foundation actually administrates it, and I think they're doing a fine job administrating it. And the last thing I want to do is have to deal with all that paperwork. <laughs> because you love bureaucracy stuff. so much. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and Sandy, of course, is not excited about that because you know, if I was taking over, then essentially we were taking over, and if we were taking over, then she was going to have to take her, do all that mm-hmm. stuff. And she's like, "No, I do not want to do that." So, um, anyway. <sighs> 
the the idea was you know that what we could do is create a potentially more advanced curriculum okay um, around that time um, I was I guess it was the end of last school year um, you know I, 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 I was frustrated that Colby had not learned more computer science than he had in the first two years um, and so I asked Justin who uh, who's been sheltered was sheltering in place with us because of the pandemic and is he's one of our math academy instructors and he does a lot of the content development um i asked him if he would teach colby some computer science um i was like you know it's one thing i've learned is like teaching your son something is once they go beyond a certain age is sort of a frustrating <laughs> um experience and for both parties <laughs> i mean you could do it a little bit here and there you know, but it's like day in and day out, it can it can cause some cause some stress and friction. And um, I mean, I got around that with Catalyst when we did that back in the day, and with Teaching Math Academy because he's just one kid in a in a, in a larger group. But if you're just like a one on one, it doesn't um, doesn't work quite as well. And I knew that if I tried to teach him, it would be one of those things where I just would like after a week or so, I would sort of fall off because I just had other too much other stuff to do. So. Um, and then I asked, after after discussing it with him, he you know he was like sure I I could do that, and I said you know I feel a little guilty having you do something like this with Colby and not offering it to um, the other boys in his in his computer science math academy class, um, specifically Riley and George and David, who he's been with since you know fourth grade. In fact, Riley was in the Catalyst group, mm -hmm. yeah, if you recall. Yeah. And um, so I sent an email to those guys, and I was like, hey, you know, if, if you're interested, you know, we're thinking about doing this, like, advanced computer science thing, teach you guys, um, you know, Python and, and computer science and like machine learning and all this kind of stuff. If you're interested, then we'll do something like a few days a week. Justin will teach it. Uh, and they knew Justin because he had TA'd and, and subbed for um, their math academy classes on and off. So, um, you know, and I, I was like, you know, if you if you want to take the summer off and just play video games and chill, I totally, I'm totally, I'd get it. It's no big deal. But I just want to, I just want to offer this if, if you want to do it. Um, otherwise, we're just going to do it with Colby. And all three of them were like, yes, yes, we want to do it. So I was like, okay, then I guess we got a class. And mm -hmm. so um, Justin and I spent a lot of time sort of, or not a lot of time, we spent some time sort of formulating what this class should look like. Like what is, what would really be great to learn? And we were looking at sort of, you know, Python the hard way. And then we looked at MIT's introductory computer science course where they do Python and then mathematical modeling and they do let, you know, all the data structure and computer science stuff. And so we kind of decided to kind of, to go down that route and it was essentially like a whole year course in like three months. So they they went from and and they had a hard time, you know, um, like reversing a string algorithmically at that time. Yeah. Um, but you know, you know, we just kept we used a lot of the principles of Math Academy, which is sort of the space repetition and the interleaving. So every assignment would have multiple things. So you do some, you know, some you know computer science stuff, some Python stuff, you know, some um, 
you know, maybe some modeling stuff. So it's like, okay, let's start working on a matrix class so that we can then do some, um, so we can build that up to do uh, linear regression and modeling. And then we're doing selection sort. And then we're talking about um, list comprehensions, you know, on a single, on a single, you know, it's like assignment. And, um, and then one idea I had was, you know, we were, one of the things you want to teach them around this at time is uh, is how to think in terms of object oriented, you know, and, and think in an object oriented way. It's like how do we model things? You know, at least when you're using Python, you're, you know it's an object oriented language. And a lot of times you see the examples. It's like the bookstore example, the animals or the vehicles. You know, these kind of dopey little examples. It's easy to understand, but it's like it doesn't really show you why you should be doing this. And really what you want them to do is get practice, um, you know, utilizing this and thinking through this. And I said, you know, maybe what we should do is take the Space Empire, Empire's board game, which you may remember we played one time. It's this fantastically complex <laughs> turn-based strategy game. It's like risk on crack. <laughs> like take risk and dial it up by like 50 and and put it in space <laughs> right you say that's yeah, kind of about, about right yeah, it was fun yeah and um and so in, in that way what we can do is they can build the game build like a game engine and then way they can build agents that play each other mm. right but in the process of getting to the point where you can even develop agents that play you have to model the game right the board where you have a game object and like a map or board object and then player object and a you know you know spaceship object or whatever right you have all these objects and all these properties and all these functions and all these state issues and um that turned out to be great because the, that kids get really excited about that right spending a lot of time debating on you know how different ways of doing things and etc cetera, etc cetera. and one of the things that we had that we thought from the beginning is like Let's do an eat what you kill. So no libraries. If they anything they use that isn't built into Python, they're gonna build themselves. Nice. So if they're gonna do linear regression, they're gonna have to build a matrix class themselves. They can't use somebody else's you know linear algebra class library. Okay. Right. And that so that will reinforce a lot of the math that the linear algebra that they've learned, and then um, you know they can and then and of course it's good coding practice, right? And, and so we did this, and so they're all developing their own version of the game, their own implementation. They're building their own machine learning library, so they were doing things like, you know, not just linear regression and all the things with that, logistic regression, k-nearest neighbor, Bayesian classifiers, all, all that kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, but, um, so, 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 so anyway, go back about midsummer. So we're seeing this work. And we're like, wow, this is like lightning at a bottom. And they are learning so quickly and they are so into it. And they're spending a lot of time working on this stuff. And so I work with the district. I do a lot of fast talking, a lot of convincing. And I said, you know, we got it because we got to get a class based on this. Right. And so we did, we, we got a class, we got a class description, got approved by the University of California, <laughs> got it into the schedule. I got emails out to our parents for the grade below them so that we could create like two levels. So there'd be the 11th graders and the 10th graders. So the 10th grade class is called computation and modeling. And then the 11th grade class is called machine learning. And then this, the 12th grade 
class, the final class, is called our Intelligent um, Systems. And so what we did this year is we have, I think we have like nine kids in the computation and modeling class, and then we have the, the four, four boys in the machine learning plus the son of a friend of mine, uh, Doug, who, who uh, ran MV Code Club. Mm. So I sent Eli's super bright kid, and I asked Doug, I said, do you think Eli would want to do this? And he was like, yeah, I'll ask him. So he, he wanted to do it. And so he joined in. He's been doing it with him all along, which has been great because he's, he's like a phenom <laughs> level coder. Like really, I mean, he, like right now he's trying to write his own operating system in Rust on top of all this. <laughs> right. I mean, That's he's, cool. so, um, anyway, um, we, we, we got, we have this going. And the kids are learning at, at, at sort of light speed. We're, we're using all of the, you know, the pedagogy from Math Academy that, that we can apply um, in, in, this, in this sort of world um, or in, the, in this domain of coding, which is, you know, not exactly the same as obviously math. But, um, and it's just working really well. But if you weren't doing space repetition, if you weren't doing interleaving, um, there'd just be no way you could move this quickly. And... Um, the kids love it, although it is by far their hardest class. So we've had to kind of tweak a little bit because at times it's got like almost too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and Sandy would come to me. She's like, you know, Colby has other classes. <laughs> like he's got AP Bio and AP History and AP this and AP that. She's like, he's behind because he spent all his time working on a Space Empires game. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't have to spend that much work. That was that part of the homework should have taken an hour, hour and a half. And, but he just likes it so much he wants to spend all his time on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, anyway, it's just incredible. So a couple of things that we learned along the way is that the whole eat what you kill approach is great up to a point. So one thing we found is that when they were building the space empires and then, and then they would try and run each other's player strategies, they would get different results. Hmm. So where there's subtle differences in how they built the game engines and, and what the, how the game engines worked. And even though it was just, a, you know, they're really trying to follow the rules, but the rules are very, very complex. And so it's easy to kind of do things just slightly differently. And they, you know, they had, they'd probably create these extensive log files and you'd set the random seed. So it would be the same set of random calls. And they, they spent a lot of time online together going through each other's code. And they had this big matrix. Okay. Whose stuff agrees with what <laughs> and all this kind That's of stuff. Cool, and yeah, no, it was great learning experience, right? Their debugging skills were stretched to the limit. They got so much better at debugging and, and um, working in an IDE and all that kind of stuff. And they all, they have, everything's on GitHub, and they always have to do a pull, uh, you know, kind of, and you always have to do, like, a, uh, a code review. Everyone yeah, else has to yeah. do a code review and, and all that. But what we end up, what we realized, I mean, it was one day, it was like maybe a month ago, and, and Justin walks into my office, and he's like kind of frustrated and depressed. He's like, I don't know. He's like, you know, it's just been dragging, and we still can't get stuff to reconcile. And, and I was like, all right. I was like, maybe it's time that we just have one shared code base now. And... Just because we got to move, forward. I mean, it's it's a it's this great idea that everybody has their own code base, but at a certain point, you just we're not when you feel like you're just not making progress. We got to make you got to you got to make cut. You got to sort of make some compromises. So what we did is we said, or we went through the code base to figure out who was, was the cleanest, who had the best code. It turns out Eli's was the best, but then they took some pieces from other other people's implementations. 
But now that's teaching them that they're how to work on a single complex code yeah. base, code base, do pull requests. That's crazy. Merge how old, conflicts. How old are they? 15. Jeez, like, this 15. is crazy. Isn't that insane? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're ready straight for like, you know, high level, well, to, A, to start their own startup or B, to just go straight into Google. You know, it's like crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, they in, in like the data structure stuff, I mean, they, they were doing, you know, all the breadth and depth first search on directed and undirected gra weighted graphs and trees and, you know, all this stuff. It wasn't like, oh, they, they've implemented a linked list. They've, they've done all the advanced data structure stuff. And so the data structure and algorithms course, which is like a sophomore level computer science class after you've taken a complete full year of computer science. And is Colby still loving uh, it? Oh, yeah, they love it. I, the thing is, I think they're all pretty much... Well, you know what's interesting is that we've determined that there's basically... There's a spectrum from quant to systems coder, okay? The quant is someone who really just wants to be put in a sandbox and think really hard about the math and the algorithm itself, right? So that's Riley. Riley is much more of a quant. He doesn't like to fiddle around with new technologies. He's not as interested in thinking about this overall arch and architecting this big system and all that stuff. That's Colby. <laughs> Colby is your systems coder, right? <laughs> he's like, oh, we're going to build all this stuff and oh, and I got this new technology. We got this, you know, because he's, he's the quarterback, the guy who does that. Right? He's the quarterback. It's the same thing. Well, that's true, <laughs> but he, he just, but at the same time, Colby doesn't really like, you know, th like they were building, uh, like one of the things they've been working on is a uh, multi-layer neural net and doing the, um, implementing that, which is pretty complex when you build it from the from ground up. Um, I mean, again, they're writing all the code from scratch. They're not using uh, a machine learning library. And, you know, really thinking hard about how the, the gradient calculation is working and this and that, like that's something that he's, he, he can do, but he's less interested in it and much more likely to miss some subtlety, whereas Riley likes to think really hard about that stuff, mm -hmm. right? Like, he won't make a mistake on that. Like, he's going to be, like, thinking about every numerical nuance and issue where Colby's like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we just do this. And, you know, <laughs> right? And then George is kind of in the middle, right? David, I don't David is probably closer to Colby, I guess. But George is kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's not as much in the systems thinking and the architecture stuff as Colby is, and he's not quite as, you know, as quanty as um, Riley, but he's in the middle. But this is really interesting, right? That you find we, we've been seeing this, and and then what we've seen in the younger group too is, you know, we initially thought kids that were great at math would be great at this, like it would be like a very high correlation, like a 0 0.9, 0 0.95 correlation out of out of one. It's probably closer to like a 0 0.7, 0 0.8 correlation at best, maybe 0.7, that their kids were good at math, but they really struggle with coding. Hmm. They struggle with thinking, uh, coming up with what would be the right data structure, thinking about just how to translate some sort of algorithmic idea into code. It's really hard for them. A kid who is otherwise really like, obviously very bright and very mathematical. And I think it's probably also the same, same way. There are kids who uh, are people who are, can think very algorithmically and, and can think in terms of an architecture of lots of information you know, and functionality and how it relates and what's changing what and what's the impact going to be and what's the simplest way to structure everything so that it simplifies the complexity. And then that 
those kind of people are often fairly mathematical or very mathematical, but is it, but it, but they may not mean they're amazing in math, right? Well, me who knows no math yeah. but is quite good at all. Well, that you, stuff. Yeah. well, you're a weird case because you basically dropped out of high school and didn't learn a lot of math. Yeah. So we don't know you're if I'm any problem. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think you're kind of, you know, you know. I mean, just statistically speaking, you're probably not great at math, but you probably could be at least pretty good or, or at least decent if you actually had decent education. Well, we'll, we'll right? know when you release Math Academy. We'll find out. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, but that was, that's been really interesting, right? Some of the kids who remember, I just like, it's just like Justin who come in, he's like, geez, you know, it's like, it's like some of these kids are just picking the stuff up and they're just like, boom, they got it. Like the 10th graders, they did a Sudoku solver and, you know, Maya comes in and she's just like, yeah, that was easy. Is there anything else to sign It was just a Sudoku solver. <laughs> and it's like this recursive backtracking out of da, 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 you know. I mean, it's like, this is like one of these like Google or whatever, like whiteboard type of problems. Well, like the, like the fizz buzz kind of thing? Like, like the, like no, it's tip- way, way harder than Fizzbuzz. Okay, but like, I've got it. A Sudoku solver <laughs> is way, way harder. Fizzbuzz is like you're a moron if you can't do it. If you say you're a coder and you can't do Fizzbuzz, you're a moron. <laughs> A Sudoku solver, a lot of people be like, geez, how do I even do that? That's pretty hard, you know. I mean, that's that's a um, that's a that's a legitimate computer science challenge problem. Um, but anyway, some kids got it no problem. Other kids, it's just like blowing their brain out, right? And these are all like, you know, we took the math academy kids, and really, mo- most of these kids are some of the even the stronger math academy kids. But even that, there's a huge range in aptitude. Yeah. Which is amazing. Uh, it's, it's just interesting to see, you know, which it's not surprising. We're all on this huge spectrum and these different things that we can do. We're good at certain things or better at other things. I mean, you know, it's funny. We always joke with Justin. I mean, he is like the worst when it comes to like, you know, recognizing an actor in a movie. I'm like, I said, remember this guy? <laughs> and he's like, looks at the character and he's like, no. I'm like, he was in the movie we watched last night. He was a star. He is? I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> or I'll be, I'll, I, I, what they always do is I'll, is I'll throw out lines from movies and I'll be like, and he always jokes, he always guesses Megamind because that's the, our, one of our family movies yeah. that everybody, and he was just like, Megamind. I'm like, wrong, Super Troopers. <laughs> he's like, I mean, he's like an ultra genius when it comes to math. Just incredible. But he's just, he's practically debilitated when it comes to things like remembering lines from movies or looking at actor, whereas like my daughter Izzy, she can, she can like go through, she can almost talk the entire Megamind movie line for line. <laughs> it's incredible. We're watching Into the Woods. You ever Into the Woods? You ever see that with the musical? I haven't seen that. Do you no. know that? You should watch that with Jack. I think that's, it's a, it's a, it's a really, really well-made uh, movie. Anyway, they do one of these songs where it's like it's like a talking da 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 this this and that da 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 back and forth. It's incredible. She does the whole thing. Like what the hell? Anyway, she does like that with all the Hamilton stuff. So she has this incredible memory. But math, like you know, she can barely add two numbers together. It's just incredible how different our brains are. Some people just have this amazing ability. To, to do certain things are just, it's, it's almost like we're, um, you just have to, you're kind of like, you have just circuits that are designated to do certain things and are not designated to do other things. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. But so just to sum up the, the um, computer, computer science thing, so we, we, we gave it the name Eurisco, which means discovery in Greek. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we create a website. It's uh, I think it's urisco.us or dot uh, yeah dot us. I'll um I'll put a link to it um if anyone wants to check it out. But we've every assignment that he's ever created for the kids is up there, mm. as well as a recording video recording of every single session. Cool. So anybody who's curious and be like, okay, is this Jason's talking a lot shit about this class. <laughs> see, this is legit. They go in and you can see it. Um, but um, so one thing that's a couple things have come out of it is um, one of the professors at Caltech, he was uh, Adam Wehrman, who was recently the, for the past five years or so, he was the chair of the applied math and computing science department at Caltech. He's meeting with them about once every three weeks uh, with that, with the, with the oldest group. And, and talking through their player agents um, and sort of the AI that they're using to, uh, you know, to compete against one mm-hmm. another. Um, and, uh, and also one thing I've been trying to do is get internships for the summer. Um, because that, our whole goal was like, okay, what, you know, what do we want to teach these kids? And I was like, you know, we want to teach them how to code, like really code, write good code, good, clean code modular, maintainable, readable, whatever. Like how to be a good coder and how to debug, you know, right? The second is the computer science. Like, because that's the thing is sometimes they go to, you're like, oh, I really want to code. And they, go to, and they go to this sort of competitive school that has a really difficult computer science class and sometimes I can throw them off. So it's like, let's get them through a lot of the computer science stuff. So when they get to that, they're just gonna be like, oh yeah, I already know all this stuff, you know? And then let's do a lot of machine learning. Let's like really, because that stuff is super cool, right? And, but we also do, we're doing stuff that like, it's sort of like the control theory, like linear programming and dynamic programming and things like that, which are sort of um, kind of halfway, it's, it's kind of in, the, in between the um, computer science and machine learning. Um, but it's like all the stuff that I wish I had learned early <laughs> or learned at all. I mean, because some of the stuff I never learned. I mean, I never, I, I never learned some of the graph algorithms. I mean, I, I was I was a math major, not a computer science major. And um, Justin, you there? It looks like you stalled. I'm here. Justin, okay, it looks like it just got so. Um. So, um, but but really, what we were trying to shoot for is like, what would we need to teach these kids so that they would be um, useful and productive at an internship at a, at a tech startup. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, you know, they need, like you said, I think at a coding, they need to know their computer, some computer science fundamentals. They need to be really good with, you know, get and source control and how to, you know, do all that sort of stuff. And so that was really what we were shooting for. And so this summer, um, you know, I reached out to, but the, so the goal was to set that up for the summer before their senior year of high school. Um, because that would be a great learning experience for them. It would also be, it would also be look great for their applications and the, you know, for, to college. And, um, I reached out to a bunch of places and so unfortunately I've only gotten, I only got a one position and well, weirdly, you know, Colby was the only one selected so far, which I was sort of surprising because, um, I thought they would take Riley because of his, because I, one of the places we, we, um, that I talked to was a place called Virtualytics, which is a machine learning startup. Yeah. And uh, I had Justin send them a sort of write up about each kid, the relative strengths and weaknesses. 
And he was, you know, he was really honest about their strength, you know, what, what they were. And like Colby's weaknesses were that, you know, sometimes he's, you know, doesn't always read the, the, the documentation carefully and, you know, but he is good at this and that. And, you know, so it's kind of, it was very honest. And, uh, so anyway, they pick, they end up picking Colby, which I was like, oh, great. You know, so. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> that's a, you're... it looks like favoritism. It looks like I set it up or something. Yeah, right. Okay. I was like, oh, crap. Well, it turns out one of the kids, George is going to, he got a one a scholarship, so he's going to be in like Japan for half the summer. So that sort of put him out of it. So when it, will he be doing it from home? Is It's like an... Yeah, know. unfortunately, it's going to be a remote thing. I was hoping it'd be on yeah. premise because I thought that would be a little more, a little more engaging or fun, but... Um, but I'm, I'm still trying to find a place for, for Riley and David. I'm still reaching out to startups. Okay. So if any of our any of our listeners have an I have a intern a remote want to do like a remote internship with a uh, you know a talented high school kid who knows knows Python and you know machine learning basics of machine learning and can and data stuff you know free labor <laughs> or cheap labor <laughs> or cheap labor if you want to pay them a little bit but yeah that's cool that's so cool yeah. that's great that's a great catch up thank you. Yeah, so that's uh, that's it. So we'll see. I'll, I'll I'll keep you posted how it goes. But that's the uh, that's that's Eurisco. So. Eurisco. Well, anyway, enough enough about enough about me. Let's 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 hear what you're. Uh, sure. What do you want to hear about? With you, what you got? I don't know. What do you got to tell me? Uh, what What do you have? Well, a couple of things. Well, I'll just I'll just do um, an overview of the morning brief project that I'm working on with Joe Steck. Um, okay. So since I last saw you. Um, I, I'd got the thumbnail service up to a point where it was um, slurping in uh, up to 25,000 thumbnails a day. But I'd done that on the Nugget infrastructure. Um, right. I hadn't moved it over to the morning brief infrastructure. So we, because we kind of had no morning brief infrastructure. So I had to set that all up okay. with AWS and have been doing that. And that has on, you know, it has been kind of a fun project. There's a lot of problems to solve for that. Um, but that's that's kind of old news at this point. Um, so, uh, Joe has been working on, um, consuming Reddit with Goldfinger. So Goldfinger is the, mm -hmm. the sort of backend, uh, content, uh, slurper and understander system. Right. <laughs> um, right. and Reddit's kind of interesting. Um, they, they, they get, they get about a one and a half million posts a day. So mm -hmm. about a thousand posts a minute. So Joe's been sort of working out how to. Well, he's, he, I mean, he, he already has worked it out, but basically he's dealing with a thousand posts a minute and then cutting that down in, by quality. And um, we think that we're probably going to end up with about between 10 to 20,000 links a day um, from Reddit. Good grief. So, wow. <laughs> so the, and that's just the Reddit. And that's just one that, of that's numerous just Reddit and, uh, you, sources. Yeah. And, that, uh, yeah there's, and obviously there's a lot of, but, but what's interesting is, you know, um, Reddit is like one and a half million links a day. Twitter is around 500 million tweets a day. So Jeez, yeah. <laughs> we'll be circling we'll yeah. be circling around to Twitter at some point in the future. We're not doing that right now. Um, so we'll we'll have like Hacker News, uh, Reddit, um, New York Times, um, just a lot of a lot of places. I mean there's there's certain places where you can reuse code. So we're mm -hmm. also thinking of uh, are you familiar with Discourse? Yeah. Yeah. So so Discourse a lot of a lot of companies and uh, uh, projects like Roblox, for example, everything's based on discourse. You know, they have a discourse forum. So, like, if Joe can understand how to how to pull in discourse 
from one place, then all of a sudden we have a whole bunch of subject areas that we can pull in discourse from. Um, yeah, so it's it's going really nicely. Um, we I've gone through multiple iterations uh, with the character with Scotty, so we're getting I'm getting closer to having a robot that I like. <laughs> you love your little your your little characters, right? You have that nugget. Yay. Yeah, right. Um, but well, this is better. This is going to be better than that. This is going to be the same level yeah. as um, the Enifu character that we did. Um, mm. It's not going to be as comp because Scotty Jackson, because yeah, because Scotty Jackson, is. yeah, he can do anything, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he is amazing. Yeah. Um. So that. So that. How much is it costing you guys for to do he's, that? He's charging five hundred UKP. So I guess it's like seven hundred dollars. That's a that's a deal. It's too much. It's, it's a deal, deal, especially when he keep, when he's going to do as many iterations as we need. Yeah, you know, and actually, I need him to design some stuff for me as well. I need to. Yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing. It's just amazing. Some guys like they're just so talented, and they just can create like magic. It's just like it just poof out of nowhere. It's just, I mean, I have to be. I spent so much of my time being disappointed by stuff <laughs> that when I see stuff that's really good, I'm just like, am I seeing this right? This is amazing, <laughs> right? I, you know how sometimes you work with designers and then you just kind of have that. You see it, and you're just like, Ugh. but he. The thing about him is he can do anything. So, you know. We started off in one direction, and it wasn't it wasn't really right. And I was like, it was more sort of cartoony. And I was like, okay, can you do it more CGI? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then he sort of sends back the same thing. And now it's just all CGI, and it's just like it's just really slick. And it's just so cool how mm -hmm. he can just do that, you know? Can can you afford me a call? I'd love to see him. Oh, what the, these these things that I've done so far? Wait, the the eyes are wrong on this, but this is the sort of general vibe of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is sort of the direction that it's going to go in, but it's going to have cuter eyes. That's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. He, he's very good. He's very good. Hell yeah, he is. Yeah. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, I gotta I gotta send him an email because I need to create I need to get some stuff for uh, uh, um, Math Academy going. That's great. Yeah. So wait, what are you building? Uh, is this PHP or what are you writing this? Well, uh, Joe's using Python. Um, I'm using okay. PHP Laravel, and. Um, okay. There is Joe's sort of realizing that uh, he's going to have to do some work in PHP and Laravel, and he hates PHP. And he's like, "Dude, he's like, you've boxed me into a corner. I've got to use PHP, but I don't want to use it." <laughs> it's like, okay, so it's funny. I, I um. This may segue into something else, so I, I don't mean to change things. But I would—I started using PHP the first time yesterday in like eight or nine years, right? Because I was like, okay, I need to get a landing page going, and I just want to put it up on this shared hosting account that I have. Um, and I was like, initially, I was like, well, I'll try and get the app account. I'll just use the App Academy framework. Not App Academy, I'm sorry, the App Ignite yeah, framework right. that I had initially created. And I looked at that code, I'm like, God, this stuff still looks really slick. <laughs> this code is clean. I'm like, this is great. And but for some reason it wouldn't run and there was no logging, so I couldn't I didn't know what the error was, you know, okay. on the yeah. shared host. I'm just like, damn it. You know, is it like some version of PHP? And it's like, and I hadn't done, you know, PHP in so long, it was hard to remember like where to look, you know, to find what the issue might be. And so then I was like, okay, oh, look, they support Node.js, so I'll, I'll spin up a Node.js app. So I went through their little console, their little GUI. And, you know, when, you, when you're on a shared host, it's sort of like 
you know, you're you're sort of there. You're there. You're in their sandbox, right? And so it's like, okay, you have to like, okay, install, run, you know, the the package manager through their console, and you have to start start the app. It's not like you're working from a command line. And I could not get a basic Node.js Node.js app running. And I and I know using Node.js for a landing page is like bringing a bazooka to a knife fight, <laughs> right? It's like so dumb. I mean, literally, it's a static page or two in like a form, like account request. Like that's it. It's nothing, and it's as close to no no not. It's it's the lowest level functionality that you could almost implement. And I couldn't. And I spent like an hour and a half screwing around and fighting with it. And I was getting really frustrated because it's like, okay, I spent all this time. I couldn't get the App Ignite stuff working. I couldn't get Node. And I was just like, damn it. And I was like, can I just get PHP to run? And so then I was like, I, I was able to get basic a basic PHP file to work. I'm like, okay, thank God. You know? Good to go. And so I'm, I'm just going to write like an old school, like PHP, couple of PHP, you know, <laughs> it's not like a framework. It's just like, you know, form submitted and get the data out and shove it into the database, you know, shove the, you know, which of course it's all you need. Right? Yeah. But it was just funny. It was like, it felt retro working with PHP. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like going driving down to like a car from the 60s or something. You know, it was fine. You know, it's like, I could get you there. But, you know, I've always been somewhat um, agnostic on these things. You know, people get really, really like, you know, judgmental and biased against certain technologies and like this sucks and this is that and this is the, you know, it's like whether it's Rust or Haskell or Go or whatever the thing du jour is. But I don't know. I've, I was, I, I love PHP back in the day. I it's sort of like how you describe um, Epic Night. You know, you, you coded it up really cleanly. So, mm -hmm. I mean, PHP, it's like C. I mean, C isn't exactly clean unless you build clean stuff with it. Um, you built a really clean thing with App Ignite, and um, Laravel is really, really clean. Um, PHP on its own is is really hacky. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it's... Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's like, it's it's PHP is unstructured like C's unstructured. Yeah, it's yeah. funny you said that, because I made that same uh, sort of idea that same comparison ran through my head yesterday afternoon i was like you know i was like i could almost write a blog post on this like php is like the web c right yeah. it's like pearl is like the web's cobalt right <laughs> no yeah, yeah even earlier yeah but yeah or fortran or something it's one of these really early they worked but php would made it pretty straightforward it could be productive but you know if you did not write it in a certain way it can be a real mess yeah. it's very efficient and it, you can you know and someone who's a who's a experience with it can can build anything i mean there's there's like nothing in you know math academy's web uh application and that couldn't be i could have done this thing in php no problem oh include right? including full-on node level sockets i mean it does all that now so now it does the socket yeah, base. Like, everything. how do you do? That's the only thing I was gonna say is the persistent connection, the persistent process stuff. How does it well, do I don't know how to do it at a PHP level, but I know how to do it at a Laravel level. So Laravel, oh. Laravel sort of wraps wraps it all up, and it just gives you a broadcast system. Okay, yeah. so they have some kind of persistent yeah. process that yeah. they run on the server that uses it. Okay. But I mean, you, I mean, yeah. remember P with PHP, you can do like, I mean, you can do forks, you can do. 
whatever you want. You know, you can process fork, all that kind of stuff. You can build demons. Remember, I built a spam filter in PHP, like a, back, mm -hmm. a, a background demon spam filter back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I mean, I did, I built a lot of stuff that I was, you know, that was pretty cool in PHP. I mean, I built a full on, like, distributed real time trading system in Visual Basic 6. So, well, uh, you know. Uh, Anyway, Joe is <laughs> I I can work I can work with like l you know lowbrow tech. I mean Joe you know, basically no hates PHP and um but but the, the thing about it is is the the sort of way that I described it to him is you know Goldfinger is is Python is all back end it's all data collection it's making decisions about data. All the PHP stuff, the Laravel stuff is all front end. So anything that's front end facing is done in PHP and Laravel. And it, it makes sense to just not not really mix the two because say for example, we're sending emails to people, like the exact same ORM, the exact same templates that serve um, a preview email to the to the front end is the exact same thing that's gonna actually create the email and send it to the person. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not like there's an obvious, um, like Laravel has a jobs a job system, but each job has its own, you, you know, like, uh, I guess Laravel has its own job format that it uses. So, you know, it includes the the sort of path to the to the ORM object and things like that. It's all wrapped up in the job. So, for example, if we try and interface, if we try and get um, Python to send a job to to Laravel, for example, then we're going to have to work out. We're going to have to sort of uh, reverse engineer. Okay, how does Laravel make jobs? How, what is the actual format of a job packet? You know what I'm saying? Right. which kind of makes no sense, you know? So you might as well just um, do the the scheduling script with PHP as well, with Laravel, because it's right. it's all sort of there. And so so, Joe, so as I sort of talk this through to Joe, you can see his eyes gradually move from, like, he's sort of belligerent to, like, you know, sad exception. It's like, oh, finally, okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> all right, well, we'll use Laravel. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, people, people, you know, they get set in their ways. They like the tech they like. And, you know, I don't know. P look, PHP, just like C, it does the job. And Laravel is, is a really beautiful yeah, framework. Yeah, Laravel is so, mean, so nice. So I, mean, I, th I, I said, I predict, I predict that he's going to learn. He will love Laravel, even if he still hates PHP. Uh, he may never admit it, though. That's probably true. I wouldn't count on that. <laughs> Count on that. But that's funny. But I, I wonder how widely. Do you have any stats on how how widely used PHP and Laravel are? These Not days? off the top of my head, but I know that PHP continues to be in the top ten languages. Yeah. So it's it's just I mean, it's such a yeah. I mean, because Rails took off there for a while, and then Python's had some of those some frameworks that were. I mean, Python is number then, one now, everywhere in the in yeah. the in the in the top ten charts. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone loves Python. I don't. So, I don't quite know why. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, it's very it's very um, very um, succinct. I mean, you can you, it doesn't take a lot of lines of code to mm -hmm. you know to write to and it's very it's very readable too. It, it's kind of looks like um, even a it's like pseudocode. Oh yeah, looks it's like, like pseudocode. Looks like so when you write pseudocode, you're like, well, actually, it looks kind of like Python. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't use Python. I mean, I built a couple things in Python, and I thought it was, you know, that was fine. Okay. Well, but um, I, I'm, 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 I'm pretty new. I mean, I've, I've used so many different languages 
Um, I'm just sort of like, whatever. I, the one thing I care about is I just want to be productive and get stuff working. So I'm not a purist. So there are definitely, I think you have the spectrum of sort of like pragmatists and purists. Mm-hmm. Pragmatists are like, whatever, man. Let's just use a tool that either you know, the code's already written in this or everybody knows and has the libraries we need and let's just do it. Like, who cares? And you have other people who on the very far end are like, this is the right tool and this is the way you have to do it and then it really get hung up on and there's a place for purists and there's a place for pragmatists so you know and i think we're all in different kind of on that spectrum i'm much more on the pragmatist i'm i think i'm what um joel spolsky calls a duct tape coder i think we're we're very similar in that way i mean i don't care i don't care what it is um the only reason why i use this is because i can just build a whole bunch of stuff really quick um i'd use i'd use any language you know yeah, I'm, I'm going to choose whatever it, I'm going to be the uh, most productive yeah. in. Because I don't like dicking around with, you know, searching on Stack Overflow for hour after hour just trying to get something I to would work. be quite glad to never code again. I mean... Really? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't live to code. I live to build businesses. <laughs> like, what I want to do mm. is to build startups and build value. It's not to build code and to... Do you know what I'm saying? See, I, I really enjoy coding. I mean, I do love coding, but I'm just saying... But I wouldn't, see, I wouldn't want, I would never be happy to not code. I mean, whenever I've not coded for a while, I've been unhappy. It's just, it's, it's, the, the, it's, just, it, it's such a zen experience just compared to so many other things I've found. I mean, yeah, but, but, but like you, my focus is in moving the needle and building something real that creates value. Right? Okay, well, say, for example, sitting down to write this, this morning brief thing, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, everything that i need to code is stuff that i've done before and it just feels like monkey work it's like oh, i've just got to do that same crap again in just a slightly different way so i've got to like you know copy and paste mm-hmm. it but tweak it and it's like i i know that there's like two two weeks to four weeks of just grind it's not it's like typing. solving fun problems it's just grind you know what i mean like i do enjoy coding so that's kind of probably why i got a bit obsessed with the thumbnails <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like that's gonna because it was a new it was a new problem. It was a new problem. 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 That's probably why. Yeah. So, yeah, the, it's the, the yeah. <laughs> that's true. I mean, and, and right, it ebbs and flows. There are times when you're working on a bunch of new stuff, and there's times you're just like, okay, well, it's just another damn form I got to do. Exactly. You know, I remember back in that day in the '90s, like, okay, I got to wire up another damn dialog box, right? Yeah. It's like click this button, check the the the, the drop down list, and do this, and all these you know, validation stuff, you know, but, you know, it was still, it wasn't horrible, right? It just wasn't as fun as other stuff, right? You just like, this is going to take me a day and a half and I wish I could have this done in 15 minutes so I could just do, do, get to the, you know, the really interesting stuff. I've got some big news for you. Good, because I was just going to tell you some big news, but go ahead. You first. Okay, well, it was my, it was my, do you want to flip to you? Go ahead. Yeah, let's hear the big news. I pulled out of OMG. Really? It went back up to ten bucks. Did it move the did it did it move the market? It went back <laughs> It went back up to ten bucks. And I was like, okay. I mean, because bearing in mind, like a year ago, my entire holdings was worth about three hundred or six hundred or something. I put in sixteen thousand yeah. I put in sixteen thousand. <laughs> three hundred and it went pence. down to three hundred dollars. And okay. then I was like Wait, wait, you put out how much originally? Sixteen thousand in total, I think. Oof. So anyway, I got out. Hold on, what, real quick, real quick. What did what did Georgie say about all that? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you the full story. So I so I I 
pulled, I got out for 8,300. So basically okay. 50% loss. But, but it was, it's pretty mm -hmm. significant. Like it's, it's a significant mm -hmm. amount of money when it, when it mm -hmm. was 300. Because remember, I remember that famous discussion where I said to you, well, how low can it go? You know, it can't go that low. And you were like, well, no, it can go to nothing. <laughs> and I really experienced zero, that man. last year. So, yeah. So anyway, right. it was great to get out. And then I did temp, just very quickly flirt with the idea of yield farming. And I sort of put it into something called Alchemix very quickly. And then... I don't even know what you're talking about. What is Al Alchemix? Alchemix is, um, is a, a, like a sort of a yield farming crypto concept where you sort of stake, you do staking and then you get paid interest back. But then I thought, okay. you know what? If I tell Georgie that I've put this money into into this, I'm going to really get in big trouble. So I just had it in that for a day, pulled it all out, didn't lose anything with that, so that's fine. And then just put it, sent it in ETH through to Coinbase. And so mm -hmm. got it through to Coinbase and then withdrew it to my account. And then like the entire 8,300 to my account, well, I withdrew it to my JV Multimedia account and right. that's a different name to my Justin Vincent on Coinbase. So I got an uh -huh. email from Coinbase and the email said, this is my quote of the email. Dear Justin, your withdrawal of $0 has been rejected and your, uh, your addition of the JV Multimedia account has been rejected. So I then went to Coinbase and there was zero money in my account. <laughs> So I was like, what the F am I going to do? Because basically I had withdrawn it. They rejected the withdrawal. They hadn't recredited my account and I just had nothing. Wow. Right. <laughs> so I basically had three, I, I submitted a support request and I had three days of just sitting there looking at nothing in my account. It was very, very, right. very. And what happened? Did you get it? Did, did finally get it back to, uh, to a personal account. But yeah, I'm, I think I'm all done with crypto now. Yeah. All done crypto. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah i i missed this last wave i just wasn't paying attention which is unfortunate i mean i i had i had one bitcoin so i i mean i guess i i guess six turned into 50 which was not bad but it wasn't like what could have been if i had kept the original i think i had like 80 or 100,000 in you should have you well, I don't know if OMG's gone back down to six now, but you still have that that OMG. No, I sold out. I sold out OMG. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, no more crypto for you, huh? I mean, no you more crypto for me. And there was a very appropriate um, post on Hacker News today. Someone talking about NFTs, like a like an art, like a sort of art historian talking about NFTs, mm -hmm. just saying this is essentially bull. This is this is just BS, really. I mean, it's. Basically, it's just sort of very, very pyra pyramid. Is it? Is there a word like pyramid scheme? Pyramid scheme. Pyramidic. Like it, it's pyramidic, just. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I th I think I agree with it. Basically, it's it, it's essentially just a store of value that's just hidden behind a crap load of complexity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like here's the thing about all this stuff. You can still make money on on all this. You make a ton of money. Oh, yeah. You just have to not be. A true believer you have to say look this stuff is going to go up as long as people believe it's going to go up and it's going and a lot of people believe it's going to go up so i'm going to trade it right but you have to kind of trade it like you're trading a stock or something you know um it's not just a you, stock you, you, even if you don't believe in even if you don't believe in it but like but elon musk jumping on and like um 
what's the best word? Gaslighting Dogecoin? <laughs> you know, like just just creating that entire market. It's just it's insane. Well, gaslight. I wouldn't say gaslighting is the right. Well, term. but he's he's like he's fl he's fluffing it. I mean, he's he's. So gaslighting is when you are actually telling people stuff and you're kind of like disorienting them to make them go crazy. That's gaslighting somebody. I mean, so so, so he's what would just, you describe? He's, just he's, he's he's pumping it. He's pumping it. He's it's pump. He's he's talking his own book, right? He <laughs> thinks it's he he thinks it's a big deal, so he can say, "Hey, I'm you know I'm just talking my own book. I think this is big, and everybody thinks, well, hey, Elon Musk's a genius, and he always makes money.' So hey, I Elon, I think he's right? um he's he's basically I think he's just flexing and testing and seeing maybe even testing is he in the simulation because like the the very fact that people now like there are more than one company taking dogecoin as an actual payment is insane mm -hmm. it's insane it started as a like i said you, <laughs> like i said you could probably make money i mean you definitely could make money with this stuff just watching the fluctuations although it's easier so here's the thing though are you going to trade or are you going to invest and that's really a, it's really a different it's it's a difference in time scale and obviously mentality. It's much easier to invest and say I believe in this fundamentally and over the long term. So you don't have to worry about what happens this week, this month or this year. You can just say well, over the long term this is going to win. So and and you can you tend to make bigger returns I think doing that. Now if you're going to trade, then you really have to be on top of stuff cuz stuff can change at any time, right? Um, and especially if you don't really believe in it, you're like, I know this is, this stuff is bullshit and it's just going to go to zero at some point. And so at any time it goes down, you're like, Oh my God, it's finally going to zero. <laughs> right. And so you got to, you're, it's hard to, it's hard to stay on stuff when you have this. So it is hard to stay. It is hard to trade stuff that you fundamentally don't believe in, but you can't make money and stuff. I mean, when the crypto was originally going up and, and I made that initial, you know, those initial gains, I mean, I took half out like three different times. I was just like, this is not going to keep going up. But, you know, I let it ride for quite a while. And then I took half out and I ran it a while and took half out again. They, so even if when it goes down to zero, I still, still fine. So a thing that, that they're saying in the crypto circles is they're talking about impermanent loss. So it's like, a, it's a new buzzword. It's like, it's okay. It's just impermanent loss. So it's like, yeah, because it's, it's down to zero now, but it's going to go back up. Well, you know, it's... If everybody believes that, then it's true, right? If everybody believes it and they put their money, then it's it's the market is what everybody believes. It's a it's a it's a it's the sum total of what people believe. And if if if, if they can convince, if everybody can convince each other that's true, I mean, it's like what's a dollar worth? The dollar's worth what everybody agrees it's worth, you know. And uh, that's that's just the truth of all all currencies. Well, what do you think about? Well, anyway, wait, just just one oh, quick thing. What do you think about, for example, yeah. the the NFTs, like people selling digital artwork like this, that that's currently here. The current bid is two thousand eight hundred for this artwork right here. Uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, so it's it's it's, just, it's almost like. So does that mean that somebody can't use it anywhere else? Is it just a way of sort of? I don't I don't fully understand, and life? hopefully one of our one of our listeners will explain NFTs in the comments. But basically, uh, I I'm I'm think that's what it does mean i think it means it's a it's unique it's like wrapped up as a single hash on a, on a blockchain and it's this piece of it's it's connected with this specific piece of art here is being sold okay. for 2800 bucks like the, okay. it's been sold i mean basically the, that's what the bid is right. there's no pulling back yeah yeah i 
Might work. Might work. Crazy. I mean, is it a good thing for the world or a bad thing? I don't know. Um, it might be a good thing because it might allow artists to um, monetize a little bit more than they would otherwise, which would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. I guess for them, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of neutral on the NFT stuff. Um, but you know what's the thing is, is that you can get in on this stuff. If you get in early and spread some bets around and say, well, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I'll just put some money in it and see what, you know, money and I'm not afraid to lose. Yeah. Right. And it's like buying a bunch of altcoins or something. And then it's like, holy crap, one of these that, was, that I bought was worth three cents a coin. It's now worth two bucks. <laughs> you know, and I bought, I bought like $500 worth of, you know, you can do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and do well. But, you know, if you, but you have to not be afraid to lose that money. It's, it's, it's almost like the, uh, the seed investors uh, for, you know, uh, that invest in a lot of different startups that are sort of like, well, you know. You never know which one's going to. That's why I invested. Yeah. Yeah. One in 20 ten. startups, maybe one, of, yeah. one, of, one, one or 10 or one or 20 will blow up and the rest will just kind of do nothing. So what was your big news? I bought mathacademy.com. Oh, that must, have, that, that must be an interesting story. Tell us. Yeah, so it, I, had, I had obviously wanted it from the start back when I first got Math Academy US, which I think was probably like six years ago. Um. And I saw that it was taken, and I, I think I might have tried to reach out to the guy or something, and um, or may, I don't even maybe I didn't, but because it, it, it's one of those things, if some, someone owns it and they're squatting on it, you're like, this is just I'm, I'm not going to be able to afford this. And I, at the time, I didn't have the money to do anything about it. Um, and I thought, you know, God, you know, Math Academy would be the name I want. I mean, that's what we are. But and I. But then I felt like, you know, maybe I should come up with a different name because maybe we'll go wider than math. But then I started thinking, you know, math, even if we go wider than math, we can do in computer science or machine learning or physics. It's all kind of math. It's all math at the core, right? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not even if we did computer science, it's not like we would go off and do tutorials on React, you know. And so this is going to be like, you know, hardcore you know, university level, yeah, stuff that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. It's like this is the, this is this is this is the this is greenfield. Uh, this is uh, greenfield forever. You know. Um, anyway, so I initially I reached out to the guy in about two and a half years ago. I think it was. It was like mid two thousand eighteen. Uh, well, actually, I contacted John Humphrey, who's a domainer. And I think he, it's not his full-time thing. It's just something that he, he does for fun. And he's been a texting listener for a long time. And he's been really generous and helped me obtain some domains. And he, he got me mathacademy.net for nothing. He's like, hey, here you go. I got this for you. I was like, what? <laughs> here you go. And I was a super, super nice guy. And I had asked his, his, his um, opinion and advice at different times about domains. And so I, I reached out to him. And I'm like, what should I do? With this domain, and you know how do wh- how should I approach this guy? What should I say? And he's like, "Well, listen, here are the range of prices for different math domains over the last fifteen years." And he's like, "I I would re- I would have a starting offer at five thousand, or starting bid at five thousand, hmm. just to show that show you're, that you're serious. serious." Yeah, he's not going to sell for five thousand, but if you put, you know, and then you know, it's like I don't know where you go up. You're willing to go up to eight or ten? 
something like that. I said, well, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure how high I, I want to go because, again, I was flirting with the idea of potentially you using a different domain. Um, so I, I sent him an email, and the guy was like, uh, actually, I'm thinking I'm going to hold on to it because I've, I've, had, I've had an idea for this for a long time that I want to, you know, that I'm thinking about exploring and or that I want to use it for. And But if I did sell it, I would sell it in a, as an auction. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's that. And and then uh, about six months ago, John sent me an email and he said, hey, I had a reminder to check in on this again. And I went to the website and it looks like he's interested in selling it. Hmm. I was like, huh. But I didn't follow up at the time because it's like, you know, he's going to ask you so much money for it. I, I don't want to I don't want to pay an arm and a leg. And I was still thinking about maybe using another name, but I couldn't think of a damn name. <laughs> And it's really hard to move forward with launching a product when you can't settle on a name and a brand. Believe me, I know about it. I know and that to be so true. I could not come up with anything. Everything had everything had fatal flaws. You know, there were so many other companies out there with that name and other space. It's just like Math Academy is such a great name. It just is what it is. It just says what it is. As clean as you get. Yeah. You know, and. Um, and I think that's why I struggled so much, because as I know what the name is. Yeah, it's it's Math Academy. <laughs> it's Math Academy, and so um, and so finally, about two weeks ago, I sent an email and I was like, "Hey, I last time I reached out to you, you we weren't interested in in selling, but it, I'm wondering if if maybe you know your thinking has changed, and if so, what the uh, what your asking price is." And he said, yeah, you know, I was thinking about putting in an auction, but I just haven't gotten my act together. So, I, you know, but he said, if I did, if I do an, if I was going to do an auction, I was going to put a, a reserve price in a low five figures. And then I responded, I said, well, you know, my wife and I have put a lot of time and energy into Math Academy over the past, you know, six, seven years. And it would be great to get the dot com for when we release this software for, you know, students outside of this, of the school district. Um, I said, so how does uh, 12,000 sound? And he said, yeah, I looked at your website and I like what you guys are doing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's nice. Let's do it. And so we, we did this with escrow.com. Have you ever, have you ever bought our escrow.com? I, I haven't, but I, I familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they just, you know, you put in the money and once they get the money, then they get the domain and they do the whole middleman thing. And so that was pretty, pretty clean. And so it took like, I don't know what, a week or so, a week and a half. And I got it. Wow. So mathacademy.com, I got it pointing to my shared web host, the landing page with my little retro PHP. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> running the, I'm looking at the, it right now, mathacademy.com. It's just got a logo on it right now, but uh, yeah, more on yeah. it for sure. Yeah. So I, I'm going to, I think what I'm going to do, I, I initially had a designer create a landing page for me, but I just am not happy with it. So what I'm going to do is create something kind of basic and, and then just iterate on it until I have really the language and the stuff I want. Um, and then I'll reach out to designer to kind of, kind of, you know, put some real spit and polish on it. Well, that's good, man. I really like it. Yeah, well, it's just, it's just so relief. Such a relief to, it's such a relief to have it, 
And it's such a relief to not have to spend any time anguishing over the domain and brand. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just because now that I have the domain, I can I can start marketing. I can start doing the pre-market stuff. I can start blogging and start doing stuff and creating an email list. I can, you know, really lean into that. But until I had that, it was sort of like, you know, how do, it was hard to commit to doing anything, right? What brand am I even trying to build up? Well, now you know. Talking yeah. about marketing and names. Um, well, real quick, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Do you think, do you think does 12,000 sound cheap or expensive to you? Well. What would you have guessed? Oh. Well, there's, there's, I look at it from different ways. So when I, when I look at it from one way, which is like the nugget way, which basically explains to people, get your brand and don't worry about whether the .com's available, just add a, a try or a get in front of the name. So like get Math Academy, try Math Academy. Mm -hmm. I think it sounds expensive. But then when I look at it from the perspective of Rob Walling, first of all, getting getdrip.com and then making money and then becoming successful. You know, I found that domain form, right? The, Not only did I name you, it, I was the one who said... You named it. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. And, but I also got him to get drip. Well, you got him to get drip, but, but then he ultimately he, he moved it to drip.com and that was yeah. when he had the money wow. and he could afford it and he could get it. And so I'm sure... I'd, it sounds like drip is probably more than 12,000. You know, I would have thought. Oh, it did. It's four letters. I mean, yeah. it's probably cost them, probably cost them a quarter million dollars. So, so I'm thinking, you know, from that perspective, it's a really good deal to have the dot com. So yeah, from, I think from, there's different ways of looking at it. Um, and also you're, you're essentially a made man at this point. So 12,000 for you. <laughs> <laughs> twelve thousand for you. Twelve thousand is still a lot of money. It's come on now. Twelve thousand is still a lot of money. It's four thousand less than I put into cryptocurrency. So <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah. No, I, but I think it's great. No, I would. I it's it's true. I mean, I I I I'm I I don't have buyer's remorse. I'm I'm really happy. With yeah, it. that's good. Twelve grand. I I probably would have been willing to go a little higher than that, but you know, if, I don't know. I know that feeling of getting the dot com that you really want. Like it's, it's a great feeling. It's a real, it's, it's like, it's like I've locked in this piece of success. I, it's, it's locked in. No one can take this away from me. You know what I mean? I, mm -hmm. I know that I know what you're talking about. What was interesting, because I was reading about the dot com stuff and it was a, um, oh God, I can't remember what it was. Somebody was writing this article about it and it was how Paul Graham, no, I guess I was talking about it. It was an article that actually Paul Graham wrote about the dot com and he said, the problem with it, it back in the day, if you didn't have the dot com, it was you. The concern was that people wouldn't be able to find you. He's like, that's no longer the problem. And I think he's writing this in like 2013. And he's like, the problem is if you don't have the dot com, it signals weakness as a funded, as like a funded startup. If you can't get the dot com, you don't have the 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 investment, the seriousness, the resourcefulness to get it. And so you're not probably a serious company, which for which isn't VC funded things are VC. This it's probably true, right? You're supposed to vision. You can't get this now. You know the world that you're living in. You're like bootstrapping and people on the side. Like people don't have the resources for that, right? People can't spend twenty, thirty, fifty, a hundred thousand dollars on a dot com. It's just not realistic. I think that there's a so couple of other 
TLDs that have that have have taken the same level, like a dot io. Um, I think a dot io is considered, you know, within within the circles of of investors like that. Uh, it's not the same level. I mean, look, they are acceptable. It's not Add the a same. Dot level. AI. I mean, for certain types of yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. For certain yeah. types of things, I think. In certain types of companies, those things work okay. Um, in general, the dot com still rolls a day. But remember, his article is 2013 to 2021 yeah. now. So, but we have, like you said, the get and the try and those things are are um, are good. You can live with that stuff. I mean, you know. Oh, I mean, no. I, although I was I, I had dot net and I was like launching with mathacademy.net still filled really. Oh filled yeah, really no, weird. that that feels bad. Like, no, there's I've seen examples of funded companies from YC and I can't. Don't ask me to quote it, but mm -hmm. they have a .io and the .com directs to the .io because it's just mm -hmm. right for the business. Yeah, mm -hmm. so um, I do I do think that there are there's there's certain there are special special cases, cases are special where cases. the cachet of that works really well. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I mean everything you're saying is right. I I agree. But yes, that was one of the things I, I was thinking about the, the the .com. You know, can we whatever, uh, so. Uh, do you want to finish up? Because I want to talk about n naming. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Let's go. Um, so, on the same strand of naming, I think someone has come up with a very obvious name for our new podcast, if we do a new podcast. It obviously okay. has to be Lux Surface Area. <laughs> Lux Surface Area podcast. Oh, I don't know. Dude, come on. Know. You know, actually, um, we'd be missing a trick if it wasn't called Lux Surface Area. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It feels weird to me. <laughs> Why? It feels weird to me. Why? It just does. I I don't know. Just it's like yeah. it's it's like uh, I mean it's just like it's so obvious. Uh, you prefer texting? Lux Surface Area is a, Lux Surface is a very, is a very specific thing, and our podcast is not that specific thing. Our podcast is a collection of random things that you and I are interested in. Okay, it's not. I mean, it is a thing we talk about on occasion. <laughs> it has relevance to some of the stuff we talk <laughs> about. I mean, I could see why someone would suggest that. You know, I don't think it's a horrible idea to throw up on the board but it just doesn't feel doesn't feel right to me <sighs> okay are we going to rename the show and start a new show or are we just going to stick with texting well right now i'm too lazy to do anything so. <laughs> that means it's never going to change <laughs> i think one thing i think we should do at the very least is change the damn website and the album cover that stuff is horrible yeah that is just god awful I mean, our, 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 our what's, what's the, the album cover? What is that called? It's like, that's so old. I mean, it's like from 10 years ago. Although, although I will the, say. It was bad even then. But I will say like that, that screenshot that I took of the last time we recorded two weeks ago, we both essentially looked the same as that cover. Is that right? Yeah. That's, that's good. <laughs> that's good news. Yeah, right. Yeah, because that, that was from 2009. Yeah. 12 years yeah. ago. Damn. Um. Okay. So what else? What else we got? So so we're not we're not changing the name. We're not doing anything. Different. I'm not saying we don't change the name, but I don't like Lux, Lux Surface Area. <sighs> okay. Fair enough. Not crazy about it. Um. um so yeah, what? Uh, 
I think I've been taking up too much of the bandwidth, so I think you got no, some I, more. You got any news articles or something? I do have a about? bunch of uh, articles that that um, I've got from my morning brief feed, which um, no one else can okay. can get access to. But um, okay, there's there's just a couple of things. I the thing is, whenever I, the, I always worry about bringing up news articles because I always tell you a news article news article is interesting, and then you don't have anything to say about it because. I don't know. You just—it's just—it doesn't hit you in the right way, or you haven't had time to prepare. That was something I was thinking about with morning brief. I wonder if that would be a really cool functionality. Would be if we could create like a stream, like a link stream, and sort of share what we were going to talk about and have a place to discuss it and also discover it. So something mm-hmm. I was thinking about. Um, well, they did that like so that RSS stuff. They used to have like a like a. Um, you would subscribe. I feel like Google Reader did this, but there was some RSS feed, so it's like it was sort of a social reader, right? Mm-hmm. So if all your friends are reading stuff, and right. it would learn like all oh, your friends, they, they would it would rank stuff higher. It was almost like a an implicit Hacker News based on your social. Group. Interesting. Yeah. So which is sort of like how Facebook works, I guess, or whatever Twitter. I don't. But know. um, specifically, uh, some some links that I thought were interesting. The the really interesting one I thought was this one called um, the universe is a machine that keeps learning. Mm-hmm. So they were talking about how on a, on a macro level, sort of using the same principles of um, the, the Darwin concept uses for biology, but like that's how f- the forces that we have came to be. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, um, the universe sort of, sort of messes around with different forces or whatever. And then, and this is obviously just a theory, right? Okay. But like, well, gravity sort of took its place and, you know, magnetism took its place within our universe. I just thought it was an interesting article. But like, I don't know what you could have to say That's about it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can read. Okay, so, so, uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta read the article to me. <laughs> new, new research suggests the universe is teaching itself physics as it evolves. The learning of the universe is similar to evolution. Um, our, here's how it works: our universe observes a whole bunch of laws of physics, but the researchers say other possible laws of physics seem equally likely, given the way mathematics works in the universe. So, if a group of candidate laws were equally likely, then how do we end up with the laws we have? Hmm. That's kind of cool. Seems kind of fantastical, but a lot of this theoretical physics is fantastical, right? Like the infinite number of universes and all these sorts of things. It's sort of like, how does how, is that real? I mean, just because it works out mathematically or whatever, is that does that even seem plausible? Well, they, like what was, they're going, yeah. I forget remember which. Um, I forget the name was a famous physicist. I'm like a Penrose. I think it's Roger Penrose was talking about how. And, but I think a lot of physicists have started talking about this. Is so much of it has so much of physics has gotten j- just disconnected with reality. It's um, it's like there's the you create you have these you know scientists or cabals of scientists that come up with this abstruse you know mathematical description that doesn't violate the mathematics or the physics that we know, but you know, it seems highly unlikely. Is it compatible with the ones other people, other scientists created that have, are likewise compatible with the mathematics and at least the, the physics that we know? And, but none of them, they just don't seem like they would, 
be real, you know, but it's, but it's not, con- and it just, it seems very disconnected to our reality. You know, like the, you know, it's like every time, every little tiny thing that happens that could have happened any other way. So it creates like this multiverse and multiple dimensional possibilities. It's like, that just, that just doesn't seem real, but I don't know. It's, it is a little, it's fun to think about in a way, but it doesn't seem. Well, then a whole uh, bunch of sci-fi shows would, would have to stop being produced <laughs> because they really rely on that shit. <laughs> I, they do. I, well, you know, it's like, I've never stopped sci-fi from stuff that doesn't make sense. I mean, uh, God, I just wish there was some better sci-fi. It's so hard. I mean, it's hard to find good shows anyway, but to find a good sci-fi, it's just Well, what do you need from rare. a sci-fi show? Like, what's your, what's your bar? Well, okay. I, I always, I say, I, my, I think I've said this before on the show, but I think that you'll, you can give away about a point, an IMD point, a point and a half if it's your genre versus not your genre. So there's like, you know, like I can watch a period show with Sandy. I don't really care about like, you know, 1800s, you know, upper English society or whatever. But if it's really good, it's just really good, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've watched the Pride, the A&E Pride and Prejudice thing from the 90s, like, 20 times the same. It was good. Yeah. It's just damn good. It's well done. Um, but um, if it was not nearly as good, there's just no way I could watch it. Now, I could watch some sci-fi that's kind of like, it's, it's in the sixes range, you know? You're like, this is not great, but I can still kind of, I'm still enjoying it. But uh, I guess my bar is, like, I can't watch anything that's below like a low mid sixes IMDb typically. If it gets in the fives, it's just unwatchable. Like I've tried a few of these that are like in the fours and threes, like, holy crap. I mean, it is the worst stuff. It is so bad. It is so dumb. It is painful. You know what I absolutely hate in any show, except for very, very rare circumstance, very rare examples is backstory. I just, and I think this sort of might, might point to my personality like backstory it's like i don't want to know backstory i don't want to know what happened in the past i want to know what's happening now and what's happening in the future so so you don't like flashbacks like a lot it, it just pisses me off it's like dude that's not moving me forward that's moving me backward that's bs like i just want to surf the wave of the excitement of where we're going with this i don't want to fill oh. in backstory it and i just find myself fast forwarding backstory i hate it <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I think I think when they do a lot of that, it's considered sort of lazy storytelling. We do a lot of flashbacks. Mm. I mean, I think you know some shows do 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 some of that, and it's just part of the how they've structured the the storytelling, and it's it's okay. Uh, but I think I think it's like it, it like you said. I think it can be sort of painful at times if it's not done really well, if it's done too much. Sometimes if it keeps flashing back, you're like, all right, like it's enough. Like, I don't mind a little bit, but it's too I much mean, Cobra Kai is the, ex- is the exception to the rule where it's a delight. <laughs> like, oh, really? backstory is delightful in Cobra Kai compared to every other huh. show. Yeah. So, you know what? It, we just watched, um, we just finished watching um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm. You know that no. one? Have you, do you watch much of the Marvel stuff? No, no. No, I don't. You don't? Okay. That was not great. It was okay. It was a little disappointing. I mean, I, I like those characters, and of course, I'm a huge you know, Marvel fan, so it was not great. But WandaVision, if you're a Marvel... Oh, was that good? If you're a Marvel fan. Oh, yeah, that was good. I mean, that would... Sandy and I kind of agreed that WandaVision was like low eights, like an eight one or eight two. 
which is good. That's really good. If you're in the eights, that's a solid, <laughs> you know. The only thing that gets it a nine are like literally like the best shows of all time, you know, like, you know, Breaking Bad or The Wire or something like that. You rarely get something above a high eight. Um, the, um, and, but I would, I would put Falcon and I think it was just kind of low sixes. The thing that kind of killed it for me is the, 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 the leader of the gag of like the, these terrorists was like this teenage girl. And you're like, come on. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I'm all for, you know, you have some female superheroes and stuff. And, you know, the, 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 the Scarlet Witch is just like, you know, about the most powerful. And she's, she's totally amazing character. But it's like when you have like a teenage girl as like the leader of a bunch of a bunch of older criminal men, it just doesn't seem believable, right? Ever seen that happen in real life? Well, un- no. no <laughs> well, unle- ever. was was this a consciousness exchange situation? No. Oh well, it's it's sort of acceptable if it's if it's like one of these one of these aliens that that their consciousness goes from one person to the next, and then it goes into a creepy little six year old girl. He's like, yeah, controlling yeah, no, it wasn't one of those things. It was the same thing. Did you ever see, um, what was it, the the, uh, the Star Wars uh, movie uh, Solo? No, I didn't. I, I started trying to watch it, but I didn't really get into it. That was the, I thought that was the best. I didn't, well, no, Rogue One was actually good, right? And the female character in that um, was, was, she was really good, I thought. Um but <laughs> the solo one is like they had all these sort of like marauding raiders or whatever. And again, it was run by like a, it was like a fourteen-year-old girl was in charge. It's like, God, give me a break! <laughs> I mean, it's just you know, it's like okay, I'm I'm with you on the science fiction. I'm with you on there. They're flying spaceships and the like. Okay, you got. I'll, I'm I'm gonna go with you on that. So, but the but the but the characters themselves need to be believable, right? And so. You know, it's like the suspension of disbelief. And you can't have me suspend, suspend disbelief on every dimension, right? It just takes me out of it. I'm just, then I just start rolling my eyes. I'm like, all right, I'm out. This is done. That's the problem Come with on. Thanos. Basically, the idea that he could snap his... Wait, 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 wait. I thought you didn't do Marvel. Obviously, I've done some. I just, I've just got to say, the idea that he could snap his fingers at any time and half of reality pops out of existence, right? Mm-hmm. Like... I mean, how could he live an entire life without just snapping his fingers and doing that? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's very tempting. You could do it anytime you want. It's absolutely ridiculous as a, as a story concept. What do you mean? He doesn't do it until he has to have all the Infinity Stones. Oh, so it's only when he has the Infinity Stones that he can do it? You have no idea what's going on. This is, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. What are you t- wait, 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 wait. Okay, so tell no. so, t- so wait, so he has to collect all the Infinity Stones and then he... You have to get all five Infinity Stones, which is like near impossible. And you have to be a, uh, essentially like an immortal being practically to wield these things. And that's the whole gist of like, you know, a number of, you know, not, not just Infinity War, but Guardians of the Galaxy. And but why does he want to do it? Because it's a sort of a Kantian argument that that you know the the greater good is like more people will live and prosper if you kill half of them because things are becoming overcrowded. Like he goes to his his plan. He uses his backstory of his planet and that you know they were running out of resources and that if they had half the number of people then the world, the, the world would flourish and all this stuff and they didn't and so it just basically 
collapse so he's doing good. itself and everybody dies. He's doing good. In the end, it's like a hard decision. Of course, you know, there, you, there are some really, um, <laughs> there are some great like analyses, like deep philosophical analyses of this line of philosophical argument versus the counter argument. Um, I think Wisecrack does some great, if, like this is like better f- philosophical, you get a better f- education in philosophy by anal- watching and analyzing these types of uh, of YouTube shows than most philosophy classes. That's what I like about Agents of Shield. It's always um, it's always like that. It's like dealing with like deep philosophical arguments like that. I love it. Yeah, but yeah, but, you've, but they don't. You've educated. But but, but, but what, what they do? Now. But but <laughs> not really. You have to watch a bunch of shit. But no. But 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 what Wisecrack does is they don't just talk about the sh- in the context of the show. They talk about it in the context of of the of the philosophers themselves and their arguments okay right so it's not just saying well you know let's weigh it here let's weigh the pros and cons and this says no 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 like this okay this you know Kant said this and heidegger said that and you know whatever and they going through and this is their they, they boils down to but then nietzsche came around and said this and you know have you seen the good place it, it, yeah yeah the- i watched well i'm on like season Three. I, that's one of the. It's one of the shows that I watched with my daughter. It's that all they, about that. that. Like. Yeah. Well, his um, the the what's the Dici, main uh, Dici, one of the main Dici Vici, whatever his name is. Kichi. His name. No, he's a uh, uh, moral philosopher. Right. It's uh, <laughs> a pretty good show. It's funny. It's it's really funny. You know what's surprisingly funny that I was watching with my youngest daughter, um, Early is uh, is Young Sheldon. Oh, I haven't seen it. That is, that is pretty funny. I mean, so she she does, she'll binge watch these shows and I'll walk in and sometimes it's like, I'll just sit down and start watching with her. And I'm just like, I was found myself laughing out loud at, to young Sheldon quite a bit. That was actually pretty funny. Um, yeah. Oh, so let me see. What I was going to say, if I had, I thought I had written down another show. You know, one thing, this is totally off, not off topic, but sort of a, I, the show that I watched last night, which I've seen numerous times, is Ken Burns' documentary series on the Roosevelts. And so you want to talk about something that's an amazing documentary, something that's incredibly well made, is is, is watching. It's on Amazon Prime. So if you, I mean, it's like a you know, Theodore Roosevelt and then FDR and then um, Eleanor Roosevelt. And uh, it's pretty, it's, I mean, they were obviously amazing individuals. So um, it's made by Ken Burns? Yeah, Ken Burns has done. I mean, his stuff on Vietnam. I mean, he's done. He's he's just a you know probably the greatest doc, or one of the greatest document uh, documentary. You know the um. Around. You know that effect of um, when there's a still image and it's just slowly moving across the screen. Mm-hmm. That's called Ken Burns. Like he he created the effect, and if you, in software it's like oh, you know it? it'll be in the drop down oh, menu. Ken Burns, it's basically yeah. he's you know he he's sort of invented that concept. Well, I I would recommend the Roosevelt. I you know they had like Meryl Streep and other people like actually doing the 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 uh, dramatic when they would like read the letters, you know, as um, as kind of a voiceover. So these these you know obviously one of the most famous. Um, Actors and actresses doing that. So I had to. It's the thing is, I was up till two o'clock watching the last episode of that. That's how good it is. Even though I've seen <laughs> these like five times, and like this is one of the shows that we put on in the like, background to fall asleep to. But they're so good that you can't stop watching it. So I recommend that. Um, 
Oh, so I did a, uh, I was on an interview, I did an interview with, um, Don, on Don Felker's podcast. Oh, nice. No, I was just about Fragmented. to bring that up because I was just looking at Doug, uh, Doug Martin and a couple of other people, um, suggesting you do the, po- you know, yes, do the podcast circuit. Yeah, that was interesting. So yeah, he, well, you know, it's funny. Like, so getting back on Twitter, it's sort of like, <laughs> it, mostly I'm connecting with, uh, our listeners, you know? Um, and a few people, like I reached out to, I'm like, Don, what's up? You know, I haven't talked to him in like eight years or something <laughs> like that. And so then we just, we just did a phone, a zoom call and just were catching up and he's like, Hey man, I'm, you know, why don't we, why don't we, why don't you come and tell some of your stories on, on my show? Um, so we did that on, uh, when was that? Was it Friday? Yeah. A few days ago. But, um, that was pretty cool. So he, he had a lot of listeners. I think he said at one point they had like 20,000 downloads a show. Nice. Yeah. So he's pretty, pretty, pretty big so audience. fragmented um, podcast. Fragmented, yeah. So uh, when's it coming out? Said uh, Monday. Love it. So that's one reason that I wanted to get my landing page because, you know, I mean, not that I'm expecting a lot of traffic, but, you know, there might be a few dozen people who click through and give you an email address. Academy. Yeah. Nice. Um, what do you think about Doug's suggestion? Um, here's, I'm just reading from the comments here. Here's my idea. I think Jason could do a podcast tour uh, talking about having your own podcast for 10 years. I think a lot of newer but popular podcast hosts would be really interested and you could hit a broad market to talk about Math Academy. Hmm. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I don't know. I just wonder, I wonder how much traffic that would generate for something like this. So I, one thing I, I don't know if you saw it, I tweeted about this. I was thinking about creating a podcast called mostly math mm. and actually reserved the domain mostly math.fm. Um, but then I started thinking about, it. I was like, you know, how long is it going to take to build up an audience for a new podcast like that? A lot. A lot. So even if I was doing a weekly podcast, six months to a year to get any traction, Right? You say? Yeah, I, th- I think that um, it takes it takes a, a shitload of time and effort. Right, and and how long would you say? You know, and I'd probably take eight hours a week of work if I was doing it all myself. Blog, blog posts are a much better idea. I mean, yeah, yeah. So 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 I was like, all right. So I was kind of read through the numbers. I said, okay, so you build this blog post. And who's going to listen to if, if if I interview these so these luminaries in in mathematics? It's like what I'm really hitting at the primary audience is probably going to be parents who are concerned about their kids not getting a good math education, either because their kid is more advanced or homeschooled or whatever, right? Yeah, you'd, you'd do better to be a guest on parenting podcasts <laughs> than to do probably yeah, than to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you know, and I said, if, if I'd lost a day of the, an entire day, each week to that. I mean, that's that much time that's left going. That's not going into product development because I'm the only one writing code, right? So I started thinking. I was like, "This is actually a dumb idea." <laughs> I had the <laughs> so exact same do thought about doing a, a podcast with Joe. Um, I just thought, you know what? Both that that we're we're killing two people's product development. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's better to exactly. just do a show with Jason every two weeks and mention the progress updates and use blog yeah. posts and other marketing methods. Yeah, I think I think I think the blog posts and you know, there's a you know, I I think I mentioned the last 
couple shows about how I'm just sort of accumulating all this sort of all the best practices on uh, you know growth hacking, you know, getting your first thousand users. So you know that zero to users. I think you recommended that PDF to me. Oh, did you check it? That out? was really good. Yeah, yeah, I've read that and. Yeah. I've read a bunch of other stuff too, and it's just like, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through um, a second time and be like, okay, what are my, of all the stuff, what are the top t 10 tactics that I think would be most um, feasible and most, and work best for this type of you know, product? And then, and then for each one, come up with sort of a battle plan of like, who, how would I do it? You know, so if you're going after subreddit groups or you're going after, you know, if you're doing blog posts and hacker news, okay, so what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And then kind of rank them in terms of what do I think is the most likely to succeed and based on the effort that's going to have to go into it, right? And then just kind of come with some mix of them because obviously I could be completely wrong. It could be like, well, I put it, I think this is gonna, one thing's going to be easy. It turns out to be really hard. Or I think something's going to work really well and it doesn't work at all. <laughs> so, um, but I think the idea is really... Uh, is you really want to think in terms of efficiency, right? And, and, and making a podcast is not efficient at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I have been, we, we have, we don't have to put a lot of prep time into this because it's kind of a set of random topics, right? And we don't have to interview anyone. We don't have to coordinate with them. And do you have your audio equipment and prep and do their background research to make sure we can ask good questions. I mean, that, that takes a lot more work than just doing a weekend show. Um, and then if I was doing it all myself, now I'm doing everything you have to do plus everything I have to do. And yeah, it's just not, it's not efficient at all. You know, um, that's kind of funny. You were thinking the same thing. We're on the, yeah, we're <laughs> so on the same page. That. I just, yeah, yeah it's just it. like, I mean, especially when you've seen that, like, you know, like one blog post that, that goes super viral can get you 200,000 people. You know, it's like, yeah, like, and you can get a lot of email addresses from that. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, too, is like when I'm listening to a podcast and I'm thinking most people are probably like this. They're not sitting at their desk ready to click it. They're driving. They're working out. They're walking a dog. They're doing house or whatever they're doing. And so they hear this thing. And you mentioned Math Academy, blah, blah, blah. And then you go on and talk about other stuff and they stop thinking about it and they forget all about it. They don't click on it. And I, I, so I just don't, I think the click through rate is going to be as much, much lower in that than it would be for people who are actually reading an article. Have there. you been, have you thought one thing that I've observed as a really, really good marketing strategy mm -hmm. is um, micro tools. So, and Gabriel Weinberg had this interaction, but especially using low-code stuff, knocking up something that's really useful for your target market. I'm trying to think of an example for you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, that's, there, that was, that's actually in, I, I think it was in um, Zero to Users. They call it engineering marketing or something. And, 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 and so for us, I think what, one of the things we would do is... Um, an assessment test, which basically says it's, like, yeah. ask a few questions. How, how does your how 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 well do you know this, or how well does your son or daughter know this, right? You know, fifteen minute test, and we can give an estimate of basically how far behind where they should be. Exactly, that's, like that, and that's actually something we could do. Hundred percent, perfect fit for your market. So it's like, um, 
yeah, that that's exactly the kind of thing I'm thinking. But say for example, Mateo from Nugget, like he's he's doing his no his no code course, you know, su super build. And so it, so um, an example marketing thing he could do is he could do like a resource that was like a list of no code podcasts or something like that. So it's something where people who are already interested in no code would go and like, oh, this is the best place to find out all the no code podcasts. And by the way, it's brought to you by Superbuild, which teaches you how to do no code. Yeah, but what's even better though is if it's an actual product as opposed to just information. Exactly. So yeah. Engineering. I, no, I agree. As to... I agree. Yeah, completely. Well, you know, the other one I think is going to work. I was just thinking about. I'd been thinking about this, but today it really, the last couple of days it really popped up. So there was an article in the news just a couple of days ago about how um, Virginia is um, the state of Virginia is discontinuing all accelerated math classes before 11th grade for equity reasons. So basically, the in Boston, the Boston School District did the same thing, and I think something like uh, they, that came like a month ago, and something like that in San Francisco had happened. Or in some explain so the, for the, equity reasons. Okay, so the the deal is is that when you looked at the vast majority of the students in these classes were white or Asian. Huh. So it was the Asians were were way overrepresented, the rest were white. There were very few Hispanics and very, very few blacks. And so, therefore, the conclusion is there, this, is an, this is not equitable, so we should not offer classes that is, that is um, creating greater inequity in our, in our educational system. Okay? Um, parents are flipping out, flipping out about this, a lot of them. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a divide, right? There's some people who... You know, equity is a, it's a very hot, hot button issue right now, um, for, depending on where you are on the left-right spectrum. Um, but um, regardless, it's something that concerns a lot of parents, especially if they're parents of kids who are um, gifted or high-achieving students, right? So now all of a sudden, they're like, what the hell am I going to do with you know, what is the education system going to have to offer my kid if, if you're dumbing down all the classes? But what you're offering right. is true equity because you can bring people in at the base level and bring them up. Well, so what I'm offering is personalized, an, a personalized adaptive system. So it gives each kid what they need. So if a kid can move really fast, it will allow them to move fast. If a kid needs to take more time on something, it gives more time and everybody in between. It adapts to what everybody needs. Mm. It's like you go to the gym, you can put five pounds on it, you can put 500 pounds on it. It's fine. And, um, and so you don't have to put kids into, into separate tracks or whatever. Because that's one thing that really upsets people is this like, well, I'm, in the, I'm not in the honors class, I'm in the dumb class, you know, mm. or my kids didn't get put in the honors. And, you know, it's funny, I remember this one of the schools, this principal was talking about how he made all the parents were clamoring to have their kids in the honors class that they got rid of regular and made everything honors. <laughs> and one mom called up. She's like, I'm really confused because my daughter is, is, uh, has an IEP or has a learning disability and you put her in honors. <laughs> and the principal's like, uh, yes. Cause like everything's honors now. Wow. It's like so, um, and it was just—it's just a name. It's just so people, so people don't feel bad. But 
the, the reality is this. The, the, the range and amplitude is huge on whatever you're measuring for people, right? Whether it's math or writing ability or artistic ability or sense of humor or extrovert, whatever it is, there's just huge range. And, um, and when you try and put everybody into like a box and say, okay, and as one thing I would say is not everybody fits in a size medium shirt. They don't. And when you try and fit them in a size medium shirt, they, most people are uncomfortable. It's, it's awkward. And it's only the people right at the middle that are like, oh, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you know, people who are, you know, so anyway, the people in, a lot of people are struggling in math classes. They move too fast and they're confused. And they're always, they never really understand what's going on. And then you have a lot of people above it who are just like, it is so boring. So it is how so will you easy. leverage this trend? Will you sort of do PR around that concept? Well, I think I could write an article called, you know, centered around a third way. Oh, okay. So that instead of saying, you know, yes, accelerated classes and gifted classes, no to any type of accelerated, everybody should be at the same level. It's like, there's a third way where you don't have to put people in separate classes. They can be in the same class, but everybody ha uses the system and it adapts to what they need and pushes them in the direction they need to go to. What is your... Um Okay, so Google's, like, uh, I guess, mission is organize the world's information. Mm -hmm. what, is, what is Math Academy's one of those? Uh, well, the way I say it is, like, it's the, most, it's, a, it's the most efficient and effective way to learn math. Okay. So, math is a huge part of our educational lives from kindergarten up through university. Some people, once at the end of high school or university, can start to peel away from it and say, hey, I'm a political science major. I don't need to know anything other than basic, you know, stuff. But you still have to spend a lot of your life learning math. And um, if you can make that less painful, more fun, more efficient, more effective, then you're, you're, uh, you're creating a lot of value for people, right? I mean, and, and when you talk about things, you know, when people have this sort of like PTSD about education, a lot of it has to centered around math. Mm. People are going, oh my God, my history class is the worst. And they're still complaining about it. No, they're complaining about that algebra class or that calculus class, right? It's the math that kicked their ass. Because <laughs> most, most these other classes, it's like, you know, you memorize some facts or you write a little essay or whatever. And it's, too, it's hard, unless you just refuse to do any work, it's like really hard to get blown out of the water by like a biology, ninth grade biology class, right? Meiosis and mitosis, you just memorize a few little things and answer a few simple questions. And even if you're not the best, most serious student, it's not too hard to get a B or some C plus or something. But math is not like that. Right and wrong. You did it wrong. You get zero. <laughs> you know, you can't BS your way through. And a lot of kids, it just, it just is very hard. And, but again, a lot of other kids are just really bored because it could be much, they could learn a lot more and it just moves at a really slow pace for them. Even in Math Academy, we have kids who are at the ceiling who are still, we have a cluster of kids who can move a lot faster than even our Math Academy classes move. So it's just huge range. So really what you want is you want every kid to have a custom fit. You want person, just like instead of having personalized medicine, you have personalized education, but you want to make every kid, you want an optimal education for every kid. You want ki every kid to learn as efficiently as they can 
and, and reach the highest level that they can based on their capacity and interest. So learn math as efficiently as possible. Yeah, as efficiently and I would say and as effectively. So learning, yeah. Got it. Something like that. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, but it, this goes all the way up to, you know, college level. It's people like, you know, they take, you know, it's not just parents are worried about their kids' algebra one or sixth grade math. It's like, you know, how they're getting in college and their calculus or differential equations course is a nightmare or they forgot all the prerequisite stuff and they're really struggling. So, so really, your mission is to teach math as effectively and efficiently as possible. That's right. right. But And the way to do that is, is, is personalize it. It adapts yeah. to every kid. Some kids, you know, see, some kids can generalize. Like, you can show them, introduce a concept. They do one or two problems, and they are good. They get it. And they don't forget it. Other kids, they can do 20, and they still kind of forget it really quickly. It just evaporates. And then everybody in between. <laughs> and some kids, you just got to keep banging it in and banging it in. You have to give them tons and tons of examples. They can sort of start to generalize and understand the concept. And... Um, you know, on the other end, you just kind of hint at it, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. You're like, you know, and yep, yep, yep. You're like, wow, okay. Moving <laughs> <laughs> on. You know, and um, in, in the optimal experience for both kids is that, you know, you don't rush the kids that need more time. You don't hold back and, and, and bore the kids to death who, who, who would like to do more and can do more. Okay, well, um, that, I mean, that's very cool. Um, I guess I'm just looking at the time right now. Um, we've yeah, done, done one forty-five on the clock. Was there anything else that you? I, I don't have any more um, sort of things that you're I've stored of, up. You're out of stuff. Yeah. No, I think I'm good. Um, yeah, pretty much covered everything. Yeah, so I need to get back anyway to uh, getting this landing page done, man. <laughs> get to get my PHP <laughs> get on. Get your PHP <laughs> on. <laughs> get that PHP on. Well, that's not the hard part. The hard part is figure out what I want to say on the landing page. And the, and the first version is just going to be really like, I figure what I'll do is I'll just create something that's really plain in the design wise, but at least has the big key points. So the people who come in early, they're like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get what this is. I'm not blown away by the design, but I, I understand what. Will you write that in, in code? Like, will you write the landing page in HTML or will you write it in Google Docs or something? Oh, what I would probably do is I'd write the copy in like um, Google Docs. I'd probably write it in Gmail. Oh. Gmail is like my editor oh, when I write stuff. <laughs> I just write, open a thing and write it and go, okay, yeah. Because it's not going to be like five pages. It's okay. like write a few sentences here, write a few sentences there and go, okay, I think that's it. And then I'd probably just cut and paste it in the editor and by the HTML tags. Just sort of I mean, see look, what it looks like. Oh, that's, what, that's yeah. one thing I was going to bring up. Um, Tailwind by Adam Wathen, who we had on the show, Tailwind CSS. Mm -hmm. um i think you might like it um i have yeah. i've been using it and it's it's basically it's completely unopinionated essentially it's just utility classes it's just it's just well thought out utility classes so you sort of say you know like text medium text large and then it just it's just sort of changes it or you say you know color this or color that um but it's it's a very it's very good it's sort of what i like about it is you can kind of skip out in in some cases you can skip out the ui design work because you can just sort of design it in the editor at the same time right so it's right. Uh, it's, it's it's interesting it you know, it's been that's it been good let me show you this too when you create your landing pages and stuff do you just hand code those yourself yeah yeah and, and the responsive stuff i haven't done responsive stuff in a while i think you actually gave me just like two or three lines of 
code is really all you need, right? Again, Tailwind just it's just built in. It's just it just makes it easy. I mean, um, but but I don't know if you want to get into that. But like the responsive stuff is pretty is pretty simple as well. So you can just use those lines I sent you as well. Right. I mean, if you want me to just have a quick look at it, I can send you some quick stuff. If you wouldn't mind, just send me a paste in the cut and paste the few lines that you tend to use. Well, I need just do up the page first, and then I'll just send you the lines to make it responsive. Okay. Yeah, that'd be easy. Okay, I appreciate it. Yeah, because I, I don't want to obviously spend a ton of time on this. I need to get back to the real engineering stuff. I'm trying to get our big thing is the uh, free response questions. Did I did I mention that to you before? No. Don't yeah. Me. So we we have we have um our our questions now are multiple choice. But I want to put in a free response because I think that it, that it's the, the multiple choice is like a great 80-20 solution. Um, but there are certain instances where free response is, is, is the way to go. You don't want to, you know, because when you give multiple choice, sometimes you prime the kids with like an idea of what the answer might be and they can guess. And when it's free response, it's like they're just it's, it's an empty text box. Wait, wait. Like, so uh, they <laughs> so it can work out if they were right or wrong from free response? Yeah. Yeah. So I built a whole... Huh evaluation engine and part latex parser and all this kind of stuff in a WYSIWYG editor Jeez. for this. So, I mean, I used, I used some existing tech and then had to, you know, how it is, you have to go in and mess with it. So there is a open source library called math quill for, um, it's kind of a WYSIWYG equation editor. Mm. Um, and I had to go in and, in kind of, make some changes to it for it to, to really work the way I wanted. And the same thing, there was, there was a late, as a, like a recursive dis, descent parser that did some of the stuff, but it didn't do all of it. So I had to go in. And what happens when there's like a couple of different ways to answer the question correctly, or you can sort of change the notation around to get the same answer. Yeah. So I have some stuff that, um, evaluates it does make sure make sure that they're the same regardless of you know it's like is 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 x plus x or 2x yeah they evaluate to the same thing <laughs> there's probably some like this is this thing in its own right it's probably some piece of genius software that that, that like no one has and you're just like downplaying it <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean like it i'd love to see i mean the, i'm interested to see because because um the power you know the power of the exponential i mean you want to talk about exponential have a free a free text box i'm really interested to see how how much of them you trap and do you did you write tests for it and stuff like that oh yeah i have a huge test suite for all of different variations because it's like you know it's not just like simple algebra it's using different types of you know functions and trig stuff and logarithms and you know whatever so you had it's like it'd be very like fairly complex expressions or equations and you have to feel like these the same or inequalities or you know whatever so this yeah i, sounds very I think cool. i think it's real i was looking I'm like this is i mean it was funny because justin um he's like super he's like looking it's like oh man <laughs> this is awesome you know but um what i have to do though is i have to build out some uh, and this is what i'm working on right now some tooling on the on our uh, content management system so that because we got to create tens of thousands of these questions, right? So um, I'm creating a way so that we can sort of rapidly do that based on our existing multiple choice questions that we can kind of leverage those hmm. and create sort of variations on those that are free response without having taken quite as much time. I mean, because we have, we have upwards, of, I don't know, we have some like, I don't know, 100,000 questions. Isn't this, like this one little feature, another thing that just leapfrogs you above the competition? 
I mean, does this, I hope does so. this even exist? <laughs> I mean, it sounds kind of impossible. There are elements of this that exist. I mean, Khan Academy does some of this. They have a pretty good version of this. Mm. Um, but, but Khan Academy doesn't have very many questions. Mm. They have very few. There are lots of topics. They just have like two or three questions. A lot of topics have nothing. I mean, they, they have, it's, I mean, most, they're mostly videos. Do you have like a, like, a, like a live stream of questions coming in that, that are being marked as wrong so that you can just quickly verify that it's doing the right thing? Oh, you're talking about um, Ask- the, 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 the kid got it wrong and we want to make sure what's wrong? Yeah, exactly. Well, the free response stuff isn't, hasn't been implemented in the system yet. Okay. I'm still working yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, um, you should have like a live log so you can just look at all the wrong... wrong. That's what I do. Oh, well, that stuff, yeah, we could because all that's stored, right? This is, what they, yeah. this is what the student answered. This is what the answer is and we marked it right or wrong. Yeah, and, um, yeah one thing I've been thinking about too is... Um, how to get more feedback from the kids and or I say kids, but it really is students because they're gonna you're gonna have adults using this stuff. Um, but like when somebody gets confused by something, we have like a flag button. But I think a lot of people, a lot of kids don't understand f- flag is just like give us some feedback as well. If you're not ha- you're, are you still confused? So I was thinking about maybe we should have like an ask a question so that if a student is still confused about something and they ask a question, it'll, it gives us a little bit of insight like maybe something isn't as clear about this as it should be. Mm. And then if we can do a response to that, and maybe what we could do is have underneath each sort of question or example or in our little mini tutorial, it's kind of, we would call it like a slide, that it would have like a series of like almost frequently asked questions. You know how you type something into Google yeah, yeah, and have like yeah. some questions? I love those. Yeah, Those questions are great. It'd be nice to have like, we could actually have really good answers to the most common questions yeah if it's like well it's more for like in, we can we can initially look at those questions and be like okay is there is it did we not spell this out well enough in the in the in the explanation we could just fix it if it's like we did but this is sort of an edge case and we don't want to include it because we don't want to make this thing overly long it's not really important but it is something that kids might ask and so if they want to know a little bit more you could have some additional questions at the end there's a lot of tools that do that like third-party widgets but for you or me, I would recommend that we would build our own. Um, yeah, you know me. I don't yeah, use losses. Exactly. Yeah. Bullshit. I was thinking the, I was <laughs> thinking like, the same thing. Why so, would I use your thing when I could rebuild it myself exactly what I want it like an a- afternoon? You know what I mean? I was like, thinking the same the thing because I want, I want people in Morning Brief to be able to submit feature requests and vote on feature requests. And I was thinking it's just going to be easier to build it in an afternoon than to to pay 20 yeah. bucks a month or whatever for some other and then spend a bunch of time wrestling with their stuff to get it to do the thing you want to do yeah. if you're not a good coder you don't ha- you don't really like to code you don't know how to, you're not a coder you're low whatever that's that's great but if you're a coder like us you're like i and you're also very particular like i want it to integrate perfectly and i want to exactly just build it mm-hmm. you know it's exactly why i'm not using squarespace for my landing page or something right <laughs> yeah if most people come to me and they say oh what should i make just use squarespace so I want you to square pace because I, this is what I do. I can make it do other things. And, and, you know, like the, the math Academy, the program external website is in Squarespace, but it's like really painful to change stuff. There's still some stuff I can't even figure out how to change. And then, on our oh, the, like, I, the, yeah, the original ones on Squarespace. Yeah. So it sucks. It's terrible. I can't even change some really basic stuff. And I'm like, I, I've tried like five times. I'm like, I cannot add this article. That's, by the way, another nice thing about Tailwind. The 
the the paid version, the UI framework. They just have like every kind of component and like a blog post or a or a you know, it's just it's just copy and paste. It's copy and paste and just sort of build it up the way you want and style it the way you want. Just just saying, it's another good thing. It is a, it's it's kind of a cool tool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, one thing I, we we jumped over. I meant to mention is so you know this idea of, of writing this article called a third way. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, you know, um, because you know I get both sides. I get what they're saying, and but you know who who you know who did the, who did a great job of this? Who was uh, Gabriel Weinberg? Mm-hmm. In that whole interview, where we talked about Lux Surface Air, he was talking about doing stuff like that. Mm. He would a new, something would hit the news that was relevant. He would write. He would create a promotion or do a write an article or something so that he could kind of insert himself in the middle of the stream. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're riding a gigantic wave. Yeah. Like ride yeah. the wave. Ride the wave. You know. And uh, Justin said to me, he was a little worried. He's like, "But you should write this right now." And I'm like, "Listen, listen, listen." That article just came out. The article on the boss, like this is a thing that's going, this is an ongoing oh, yeah. conversation that's going to go on for years. So it's not really like we have one instance to do it. It's like anytime this starts to come up, you, we could go into some discussion on Twitter and say, hey, by the way, here's another option. You know, here's a. That's exactly how you do it. Whoever's the biggest person talking about it on Twitter, you, you insert yourself right in that conversation with the link to your right. post. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, yeah, this is a, this is a nice option, you know. I mean, some people, you know, obviously some people disagree and some people say, well, uh, you know, whatever. But, you know, it's one thing is, I can't, I can't remember the guy's name, Steve Yeagy, right? He, he's a great writer. He was a really funny guy. He wrote, um, he, he used to blog. I don't think he blogs anymore, but he's, he said that he wrote this one blog post that said that you'll never find more than two thirds of the people upvote anything ever. Mm. Like, the, you know, I like, you know, chocolate, or I like, you know, yeah, right. sunny days. Like, two, a third of the people hate everything, you know, so <laughs> are, there are a third of people who disagree with anything. So it's like, yeah. if you can get two-thirds of the people, that's essentially everybody. That is the most they could get. Mm-hmm. So anytime you take a position, you expect a third of people, I'm like, that's the worst. <laughs> I hate you, and I hate everything you do, and you should go die. You know, whatever <laughs> You know, all right, well, with that... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's two weeks. Yeah. Keep the two week schedule two weeks going. Is good, yeah. All right. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.